0: hello this is rabbi daniel Karopkin. welcome to this podcast for learning the classic philosophical work by maimonides or rambam called more or guide for the perplexed this text has been studied for centuries by great scholars jewish and non-jewish alike it seeks to reconcile aristotelian and neoplatonic philosophy with the torah of our people and is considered the perfect entree for reconciling one's spiritual and rational personas. Join me for half-hour installments as we explore the text together. Hi, this is Daniel Karapkin and we gather together uh, every week on Monday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to study uh, Moreh Nebuchim, the Rambam's Guide for the Perplexed. Uh, we are broadcasting from Thornhill, Ontario in Canada and we are doing so on behalf of webyeshiva.org broadcasting live from their Facebook page. Um, I hope you have a wonderful week and we are up to the first section of the Moreh Nebuchim, chapter 48. We are using the Shlomo Pines edition and so we're on page 106 um, there is a handout that you can easily download, a PDF. If you open up another uh, tab on your browser and go to the Facebook group Shi'ur in Moreh you'll be able to see the handout for Moreh Chapter 48, which is entitled Divine Seeing and the Unculus Dilemma. So just to get our bearings where we are, in the previous chapter, the Rambam had taught us uh, that uh, whenever we... Uh, uh, find in Tanakh divine attributions of of sensory perception, generally speaking, the uh, the prophets will only ascribe to God the senses of seeing and hearing. And in rare exception, they will ascribe to God the sense of smell when it has to do with God imbibing the fragrance of the sacrifices. But generally speaking, only seeing and hearing are ascribable to God because they don't in they don't in any uh, uh, straightforward way diminish the glory of God to say that God sees or that God hears. The Rambam is continuing along in this discussion of hearing and seeing, but in particular he's going to be bringing in the commentary or the translation into Aramaic of Unculus Hager. Um, uh, Unculus is the Aramaic translation that we find in in almost every Chumash. In every uh, copy of the Pentateuch, um, and there is even a, a practice that is was instituted by the sages of doing shnayim mikra targum, which is that every week a person should make every effort to go over the weekly Torah portion in text twice, in the Hebrew text twice, and once with the targumunculus, and once with reading the Aramaic translation. And that, that is because Onkelos' uh, project was to translate the, the text of the Hebrew Torah into the lingua franca of his day for the Jewish world, which was Aramaic. That was the spoken language. And he did so in such a way where he would, in a very subtle way, incorporate some of the attitude of the sages towards the written text. In particular, the Rambam has already written that he has effusive praise for Unculus, the, uh, for Unculus, the, uh, the convert, for distancing uh, corporeal attributes from Hashem. So we've seen the Rambam quote Unculus a couple of times before, where uh, he praises Unculus for translating the text in a different way, so that when one reads it in its translation, one should not get the misunderstanding that God has, has in any way any corporeal features. So he has a lot of admiration for Onkelos because he finds that Onkelos shares in his objective of distancing corporeality from God. So the first small paragraph in chapter 48 is going to be talking about God's sense of hearing as it is translated by Onkelos. And the bulk of the chapter is going to be dealing with how Onkelos translates God's sense of seeing and the Rambam is going to be bothered by an, incons- an inconsistency in uncleus which we'll try to resolve today. So he starts off by saying on page 106, In all cases in which the notion of hearing occurs with reference to God, may he be exalted, you will find that Unculus the proselyte, avoids the expression and has interpreted its meaning as signifying that the matter in question reached him, may he be exalted, or that he apprehended. So... Whenever the, the 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 text of the Chumash says Va Hashem," that God heard, Unclos distances that idea of sensory perception because that's over that's overly anthropomorphic, and therefore it simply means that the information entered into God or or came to God. Okay, um, in, meaning that God understands what's going on in a particular situation. Or if it occurs with regard to a prayer, he interprets its its meaning as signifying that God accepted it or did not accept it. So, therefore, if it says that God heard this person's cries or that God heard their pri- cries, it's by Yishma Hashem means that God accepted the prayer. Thus, when interpreting the words, the Lord heard, he always says it was heard before the Lord. Uh, and so, and we're going to um, uh, we'll give some. Some examples um, in just a moment. And with regard to prayer, he translates, I will surely hear his cry, by the phrase, I will surely accept. This happens continually in his interpretation, and he does not deviate from this usage in any place. So, the example that really Uncleus only gave us one example, but he says this is uh, this applies everywhere where Uncleus uh, translates God hearing. The, the, the example that he gives is from mm-hmm. Exodus chapter 22 it's it's source number one in the handout the Torah says im mm-hmm. oto that if you oppress the widow or the orphan ki im then if they cry out to me shamoa eshmat I will surely hear his or her cry and so how does Uncleus translate I will surely hear his cry he says in the kabel uh, Kadamai, that if this person complains or cries out to me, kabla akbil kabilte, I will surely accept his cry. God is basically saying that I will assent to his complaints about you because you have oppressed that person. So, uh, it, again, it's distancing the sensory faculty of hearing from God because, as we've explained in prior chapters, to ascribe sensory perception to God in any way is somewhat anthropomorphic. The Rambam had said it's acceptable with seeing and hearing because it doesn't uh, uh, insert God directly into the physical world, but nonetheless, Unculus distances that idea of God actually, in a sensory way, hearing something by saying that it comes to God's attention, or God is able to apprehend or uh, understand what is going on, or accept the cries of that individual. Now, the bulk of the chapter, as for the expression denoting sight that occur with reference to him, may he be exalted, uncleus varies with regard to them in a strange way, the purpose and intention of which are not clear to me. So the Rambam is foreshadowing that we're going to see he's got he's got a kasha on uncleus meaning I've got a problem with uncleus because uncleus is inconsistent in some way in the way that he translates the the, the idea of God seeing things. For in some places, he interprets the words and God saw by the words and God beheld. And the, the Aramaic word for to behold something is chaza, which is very similar to the Hebrew word chose. Chose in Hebrew means to see something, but it means to see it in a deeper way than just to be roe. Roe is a superficial seeing, and chose means a deeper seeing. For example, you've heard of, uh, perhaps if you're into chassidut, you've heard of the choyze mi lublin, the seer of lublin, a person who can, in a penetrating way, see things, perhaps with some level of divine inspiration. And so it implies a deeper kind of seeing than just sensorily with the eye, but rather chaza, whereas in other passages he interprets these as follows. And it was revealed before the Lord. And that term means, Gale Kadam Hashem. Revealed before the Lord is, is again, a, a way of passively saying that the information comes to God, instead of saying that God was able to see it. So, the difficulty is going to be, why does Uncle sometimes have no problem with seeing that God is actively seeing, provided that he uses the Aramaic word Chaza instead of the normal seeing? And why is it that sometimes he has to use the passive terminology of it was revealed before God? Now, the fact that in his interpretation he uses the words and the Lord beheld, chaza is clear proof that the word to behold is equivocal in the Aramaic or Syriac language in as much as it indicates both the notion of an apprehension of the intellect and that of an apprehension of the senses. In other words, the word chaza that God is able to something, Just like in English you say, I see what you mean, it doesn't mean that I'm physically seeing, but it means that I'm understanding what you're saying. And the word chose has that dual meaning, and therefore there's nothing wrong with saying that God was chaza, because it doesn't ascribe necessarily a physical sensory perception of actually God seeing something with an eye, but rather it means that God is able to understand what is going on this being so according to his opinion i wish i knew why in some cases he avoids the expression and interprets the hebrew word as and it was revealed before the lord Kadam Hashem. why then wouldn't onkelos be consistent and use the word in all cases when i examined the copies of this translation that i could find and with all what and with, and with all what i had heard in the course of instruction so the rambam says so i tried to do some little you know a little investigative work I tracked down as many manuscripts of Unculus that I could find to see perhaps I had gotten some corrupted copies, corrupted translations, um, and I also went back in my memory to review to myself what I had learned when I was a little boy in Cheder, and uh, Rav Kafich makes a point of saying is that this very short phrase is indicative of the fact that the reason Uh, 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 boys would learn Targum Onkelos. The the Onkelos translation in Yeshiva or in the Cheder was particularly because this was part of the Torah Sheba Alpeh transmission. In other words, the reason why the sages gave us this law that we're supposed to do Shnein Mikra Echa Targum, read the Chumash uh, of the Parshat HaShavua twice every week, Together with the Unculus translation, is because Unculus's role is to incorporate Torah alpa the oral law, in his translation. This was a uh, this was it specifically instituted as a um, as a refutation of the of Karaism, which was uh, which was uh, a threat to Judaism, uh, beginning in the eighth and ninth centuries. And as a result, the rabbis instituted that when you go over the weekly Torah portion make sure you use the Unkelis translation who will help you incorporate Torah Sheva al into everything that you study. And the Rambam is alluding to this because he's saying this was part of my uh, pedagogy from the time that I was a little boy and they would make us memorize not only the words of the Torah portion but they would make us memorize Unkelus's translation as well. But in any event, I looked at all the manuscripts I could find, I went back in my memory to remember what I had learned as a little boy about the Targamuncalis that I had was forced to memorize, and I discovered that in the cases in which the word seeing, chaza, is found in conjunction or sorry, in, in in which the word seeing, God seeing in Hebrew, is found in conjunction with wrongdoing or harming and committing an act of aggression, he interprets it as it was revealed before the Lord. The Kadam Hashem. Um, thus there is no doubt that the word to behold has in that language the meaning to apprehend and to establish the thing apprehended as it is apprehended so therefore the uh, the word Chaza that we find in Aramaic does mean that God understands or apprehends what is going on but he says I found a pattern and the pattern is that the only time that Unculus will depart from the word Chaza is when it it is when the thing which God is seeing is something which is offensive, meaning it's offensive either because a person is committing an act of evil or a person is being victimized by evil, by wrongdoing. Now, he hasn't yet explained why the uncleus would change, but at least he's established the pattern. Now we're going to get down to the sort of the the, the, the basis of this idea as to why Onkelis would change, the Rambam going to allude to it. It's essentially going to boil down to the fact that God does not want to behold directly something which is evil, or an act of wrongdoing, an act of, an act of malice to, to anyone or anything. Uh, that's because, as we'll see, uh, he'll quote a Pasuk in Chavakuk shortly, that God does not look upon evil. God does not wish to look upon evil because it is contrary to his wishes, it is contrary to his whole plan for creation, and based on the fact that humanity was endowed with free will, when a human being abuses that free will to commit a sin or to bring harm upon another individual, God is not ascribed with looking upon it, just as a very sensitive person perhaps would look away when they are shown an act of violence. You know, sometimes, you know, if you go to a movie and you see something, someone about to be uh, uh, hit or about to be victimized, so you turn away, because it's not something that you want to uh, endorse, even by just uh, looking upon it. And so in the similar way, the Rambam is describing that uncleus will uh, change the translation of God saw to that it, was, it came to... To it came before God, it was revealed before God because, in no way, does Uncleus wish to ascribe that God, in any way, is endorsing or sort of sanctioning the act of evil that is taking place in the world. Okay, so, uh, so we're going to give some examples. Um, therefore, when seeing is mentioned in connection with wrongdoing, he did not say, and the chaza, that God's beheld but and it was revealed before the lord for i found that the word behold to interpret the term seeing in all passages in the whole torah in which the hebrew word is used with reference to god except in the verses that i am about to cite to you and he's going to give us a whole series of these verses so the first one that we're going to see is from the book of genesis chapter 31 and it's god speaking to uh to yaakov uh in Parshat vayetze when God pr- comes to Yaakov in a dream, talking to him about how to reproduce the speckled sheep so that he'll be able to have the most yield uh, that he'll be able to take with him upon leaving the house of Lavan, his father-in-law. And at the end of the Pesach, it says, Ki ra'iti eit kol Lavan osalach Because I have seen everything that Lavan has done to you. And instead of saying, Vachaz, vachazeti, that i saw everything that or i beheld everything that Lavan did to you uncleus translates it as are uh, a because it has been revealed before me that everything has uh, Lavan has done to you i actually skipped a, a pasuk and i meant to quote from uh, genesis 29 first because that's the first one uh, it says um, Uh, with uh, two chapters before that, also in Parshat Vayetze, when it talks about Leah giving birth to Reuven, it says in that pasuk that she called him Reuven, behold the son, ki ra'a Hashem because God has seen my affliction. Because as we know, the pasuk says that Yaakov did not like Leah. And because Leah detected that she was not beloved by Yaakov, she called her son Ruvain, that God has seen my affliction, my oppression at the hands of my husband who is uncaring and does not love me the way that he loves my sister. And, he, and he, Unculus translates that as Are Kadam Hashem El Bani, that it has been revealed before God. Not that God was Chaza, but rather Galei Kadam Hashem. Again, these are all examples of where Unculus changes from the word Chaza to the passive Gale Kadam Hashem, that it was revealed before God. Okay, next, uh sorry, so sorry for getting that out of order. Um, although in the case, in the case of the, uh and, he, and the Rambam points out that in the case of the story with Lavan, God is speaking via an angel, an apprehension indicative of his establishing the fact apprehended by him cannot be ascribed to him because this fact this fact consists in wrongdoing. In other words, the fact that uh, an angel appears before Yaakov and not God himself is, God is again, a distancing uh, of God's actually seeing an act of wrongdoing. So this confirms the Rambam's thesis that uh, uh, the uncle is striving to distance the idea of God actually seeing evil being wrought in the world because God does not want to look upon it directly because that, in a sense, would be in some way sanctioning it. Other examples, and God saw the children of Israel, which is from Shemot, chapter 2. Vayar Yisrael, God saw the affliction of the Jewish people at the hands of the Egyptians. Again, it doesn't say "vachaza." over there, it says rather Vigale kadam Hashem, translated by him, and the enslavement of the children of Israel was revealed before the Lord. Another example, um, uh, again, in this time in Exodus chapter 3, God says "Vayomer Hashem ra'o ra'iti, Et oni ami asher b'mitzrayim. I have surely seen the affliction or the po- impoverishment of my children, of my nation in the land of Egypt. And there too, it's migla galei kadamai, has been revealed before me. Okay, next one. Um, and I have also seen the oppression. Now that's also in chapter 3, the gamra et I have seen the pressure. Va'af galei kadamai, again, revealed before me and not that I have beheld. Uh, um the Rambam goes through several more examples for the sake of brevity. I'm going to, uh, uh, you have all of the examples that he gives, um, uh, all on your sheet. Um, uh, Exodus chapter 4 verse 31, Exodus chapter 32 verse 9, where it talks about the sin of the golden calf. It says, Vayomer Hashem el-Moshe ra'iti I have seen this nation. Meaning, I have seen the sin that they have committed of worshipping a golden calf. There too, Galei Kadamai, it has been revealed before me. Uh, meaning, I saw the disobedience of the Jewish people. Okay, another example, parshat, uh, parshat Azinu, at the end of the Torah, uh, where there's uh, Vayar Hashem Vayin Atz, that, uh, that God uh, saw and he was uh, angered at the sinfulness of the Jewish people this is uh, Moshe prophesying about the future. There too, the Gale Kadam Hashem was revealed before God. And later on in the very same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 32, it says, e ki ozlat yad, that God will see that the Jewish people have become weakened by their oppressors. And there too, God does not want to look upon that directly. It says, it was revealed before him. Now, Let's get to the punchline. All these passages, which is where we are now in the bottom of page 107, all these passages are consistent and take into account the verse, this verse in Chavakuk, chapter 1, verse 13, Tohor enayim that God is of pure eyes and cannot look upon evil. Okay. Um, el amal To look upon evil oppression you cannot do says god now that's not, not that god is in, incapable of doing it but that god does not wish to sanction this it's interesting because kafich in his commentary also brings a similar passage in eov and in the way that it's translated by rebsad it means the same thing i believe the rambam did not bring this verse in Eov chapter 35 simply because it has multiple ways of translating it but the way that rebsad translates the words are as follows ah, shav lo yishmakel vishadai lo that god will not look or will not listen to that which is shav, that which is false or that which is evil and god will not look upon it it's the same idea that god does not wish to directly look upon evil such as to sanction it in any way it is on this account that Uncleus translates every reference to enslavement or disobedience by the Gale kadam kadam Hashem. It was revealed before him, or it was revealed before me. However, so you would think, end of story, end of chapter. The Rambam has resolved the dilemma of Uncleus. The inconsistency in Uncleus is not inconsistent. Normally, Uncleus translates God saw as vachaza. When there is any kind of sinfulness, which we don't want to ascribe to God actually seeing or sanctioning, it's vgalay kadam Hashem. Good, right? No, not so good. However, this excellent and lengthy explanation, which is not subject to doubt, is spoiled for me by three passages that, if the analogy held good, meaning that if my thesis is correct, it ought to have been interpreted by him as Vigale Kadam Hashem. There are three passages in Khumash which talk about something negative, something sinful. And instead of translating it as Vigale Kadam Hashem, Onkelos uses the standard translation of V'chaza, so I'm left with a dilemma. But in the copies of his translation, we find that he translates, And the Lord beheld, V'chaza Hashem. So what are the three passages? So the three passages, two of them, have to do with the state of man before the flood. And this is quite interesting. It says, and you turn turn over the handout, Vayar Hashem, this is in Genesis chapter 6, that the evil of man was great in the land the mach libo rak hayom and the entire inclination of man all of the thoughts of his heart was purely evil the entire day we would expect if it's talking about sinfulness that it would be it would say v'galei ha'shem no, it says v'chaza ha'shem that God saw or God beheld directly and so there you see, the Unculus is not being consistent with this thesis that the Rambam has presented to us. The other example, source number 16, uh, the same chapter, just a few verses later in verse 12, lo nishchata, that God saw the earth and it became completely corrupted through man's behavior. Translation, Vachaza Hashem god saw or beheld directly not that it was revealed before god second inconsistency and the third example that he brings is going back to the story of leah where leah is hated by yaakov or disliked by yaakov and there it says that not that it was revealed before god that leah was that was hated there you know before when we were talking about the naming of her son reuven she calls her son Ruoving because God has seen uh, my affliction, right? Uh, and she Kirah Hashem be'oni. God has seen my affliction, and there uncleus translates it as Galay Kadam Hashem. It was revealed before God, but in just a uh, in just a, uh, a a verse before then, in the very same chapter in Genesis chapter twenty nine verse thirty one, it says Vayar Hashem ki leya et rachma. That God saw that Leah was despised, and as a result, God opened her womb to make her fruitful, to make her be able to have children, whereas Rachel was still barren. And there, what's the translation that Uncleus offers for Vayar lokim that God saw that Leah was hated? Vachaza Hashem. Again, inconsistent with the thesis that any time that oppression or sinfulness is being described, unculus uh, will translate it as V'galei kadam Hashem instead of V'chaza. So what's going on? The uh, uh, So the explanation that seems to me the most probable, the only way that I can answer this dilemma, this question, is that those are mistakes that have crept into the copies of the translation for we do not have Onkelis' autograph of these passages. Meaning it must be a ta'ut fair It must be an error. There must be a problem with the girsah, with the version that we have and there was, there was some corruption in the text that was passed down to us. And why can I say that? Simply because we don't have the original ketav Yad. we don't have the original uh, handwriting of Unculus. So this was a, an, an error from the transcriber of Onkelos' original translation and in those three places the transcriber made an error in transcription. Because if we had, we could have said that perhaps he had in mind some interpretation with regard to this. Now, we're going to get back to that in just a second. But then the Rambam wants to finish us off by giving us uh, one more example, uh, having to do with the story of the Akedah, uh, Akedat Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac. As for his interpreting the verse, God will see for himself the Lamb. We, in, in Genesis chapter 22, when we read the story of the Akedah, Isaac asks his father Abraham, where is the sheep that we're going to use for the sacrifice, father? And Avraham answers to Yitzchak in verse number 8, Vayomer Avraham, Avraham said to him, Elokim yireh lo haseh le'ola b'ni. God will see for him, will see for himself, where the sheep is. In other words, God will find the sheep. There, it, the verb yireh, God will see the sheep for himself, and we would have expected Uncleus to translate it as yechezeh, that God will see it. There's nothing wrong, there's nothing offensive, there's nothing sinful there. And yet, the Aramaic translation of Uncleus is, va'amar Avraham kadam Hashem galei, that it is revealed before God where the sheep is. Why does uncleus say Gale kadam Hashem in the passive and not v'chaza over there? So the Rambam says, I have to answer that question. I have two answers for that question, says the Rambam. This is so either because this does not suggest to the estimated faculty that God, may he be exalted, will start to seek the lamb and bring it into existence. So one answer has to do with something that we've already learned from Pirkei Avot, that God had already prepared the story of the Akedah and the binding of Isaac and the surrogate ram that He, that Avraham would offer in Isaac's stead already from the time of creation. And we learned this mission in Pirkei Avot chapter 5, that one of the things that God had prepared from the six days of creation was the ram of Isaac and in order to bring across that point uncleus wants to allude to that idea by saying it not that God will see it I mean essentially suggesting that God will find it extemporaneously at that moment but that it has been revealed before God all the way back from the times of creation because this was a, a an event that God had been planning for for many many centuries all the way going back to the very to the very creation itself so that's one reason why Uncleus may have changed the translation over here from the normative yehazei or Chaza to Galei Kadam Hashem that's reason number one reason number two is or because from the standpoint of the Syriac language the Aramaic it would be considered shocking that his apprehension should be connected with such an individual as an animal devoid of reason Unculus wishes to change the translation for another reason. To say that God will behold an animal is somewhat offensive or astonishing to in language uh, because it implies that God looks upon such a lowly creature as an animal. It's one thing to say that God will behold man and the actions of man. It's another thing to suggest that God will behold a lowly animal. And so in order to avoid that, uh, Unculus changes it from vachaza to Galei Kadam Hashem. The Eifodi commentary over here suggests that the Rambam is actually alluding to something that he's going to be discussing much later uh, um, uh, in the third section of Marevuchim regarding God's providence. To to what extent does God providence extend to creatures other than man? So to say that God is providential and is looking down upon mankind and all of his behavior is one thing. To say that God is uh, looking down on an individual animal is a negation of the Rambam's thesis that God does not uh, look directly upon individual animals, and as a result, Onkelos uh, uh, is in sync with my Ma- my Monadean philosophy of what hashgacha is, of what uh, divine providence as to individual components of creation, and therefore Unculus avoids the direct translation of God seeing something. The Abarbanel is unhappy with the Aphodi's interpretation, but, we're going to, but because of time constraints, we're going to leave it at that. Let's go back to those three exceptions, and this is what the Rambam is going to conclude with. As far as these passages are concerned, meaning going back to those three passages, where we would have expected the Rambam, because these three passages describe sinfulness or oppressive, oppressive behavior, we would have expected the Uncleus to translate it as Vigale Kadam Hashem, and yet he translates it as "vachaza." So regarding those passages, a careful investigation should be made with a view to correcting the copies of the translation. It's a ta'ut sofer, and we got to fix it. If, however, the passages are found to have the text we cited, I do not know what purpose Uncleus had in translating them in this matter. I simply don't understand, and he leaves off with a tsarich iyun, as we would say uh, in the vernacular, this needs further investigation. One of those few instances where the Rambam says, I'm stymied, I don't understand, and the only solution that I can possibly suggest is that there's an error in the text that we have of uncleus If it's verified that what we have is the correct text, then I don't understand, and I don't have an answer. Now, uh, we're not here to second-guess the Rambam. But I would like to suggest that these three passages which describe oppressive or hateful behavior may not fit into the same category as the other kinds of sinful behavior that the Rambam has mentioned before. The first two instances have to do with the state of man before the flood. When God is not ascribed with looking upon evil or wrongdoing, Perhaps we might suggest that that's only true in Uncleless's world—that God will not sanction evil when man has free will to choose good over evil. But let's say man is playing into some kind of larger divine plan, that the world has to be destroyed and reconstructed, and this goes into a much larger discussion as to why God created man the way He created him, uh, with a pre, uh, uh, with a proclivity towards sin and towards falling into an abyss of actually not being able to control himself, where where the Torah describes man as machshavot libo rak rak that man's singular inclination, meaning man was not conflicted before the flood, he was totally dominated by evil, and did not even have what we would call the free will, and if we interpret the verses that way, that God is able to look upon that, because this is not man choosing freely to commit an evil act, but rather it's a description of man being totally consumed by his environment, by his an idyllic world, with so much luxury and, and so much entrenchment in the physical world that he is incapable of, of pulling himself out of this abyss of sinfulness. And therefore, when God beholds man, God is not beholding man in any contemptuous way, in any way of condemning or judging man for his behavior, because man does no longer possess his free will to pull himself out. And it's possible if we can accept this. And by the way, if you look at the Sephorno and the Hakatav Kabbalah commentaries to those verses, which we have for you on the sheet, they imply that very idea that man before the flood was incapable of extricating himself from. A, a life of complete corruption because of his surroundings and therefore cannot be held blameworthy for it, then it would not be surprising why uncleus chose the word vachaza because God can behold that because man is not to be held to blame. And finally in the case of Leah, is it true that Yaakov hated Leah? If it's true that Yaakov hated Leah, truly hated her, then we would have expected uncleus to not translate seeing as vachaza, but rather seeing as that it was revealed before God, because then in, effect, in 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 essence, Yaakov would be doing something malicious and harmful and wrong to Leah. But what if, when the Torah says that God saw that Leah was hated, it doesn't really mean that she was hated, but rather, like the radak and so many other commentaries saying you have this in your handout, lo Yaakov soneota, Yaakov didn't really hate Leah, but there was a sense that Leia had in her own mind that Yaakov didn't love her in the same way that he loved her sister Rachel. And she felt hated. Did Yaakov actually hate Leah Has v'Shalom. A tzaddik like Yaakov to hate his wife? How could he ever be with her if he hated her? It's uh, prohibited to do for a husband and wife to cohabit if there's hatred between them. So that cannot be the correct interpretation says the Radak. And therefore, when God beholds this, God is beholding Leah's emotional state, her emotional turmoil, but not because she's in, in actuality being oppressed or being victimized by Yaakov. And therefore, it's not a stretch to say that God is capable of beholding that in Unkelos' parlance, Vachaza, because there's no wrongdoing here, but rather a person is feeling terribly, terribly distressed, not because of oppression but rather just because of the sense that I am not as loved as my sister is. Now, of course, this has to be fleshed out. The Rambam does not accept what I have just offered as a legitimate answer, but I'm suggesting it nonetheless that if we were to try to find a reconciliation to the Rambam's thesis with the actual text that we have in front of us of Uncleus, this might be one Mahalik. In any event, we're going to have to close it here We're again over time, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you, God willing, next week.